All right, our Beyonders, welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is the winning War Cry segment of our show. We are so happy to be here with you on this fine winter's eve where we will be talking about Black Talons and how to get better at playing War, War, War Cry. Uh, we are happy to have Dan Herrera with us and Jason Bales. Welcome to the show, fellas. Hey. Thank you. I don't know why. Um, I know we recorded a little early in November because of some stuff that was going on, but it feels like it's been forever since we've like sat down and recorded. Like it just felt like there's a lot that happened in between our last session. I certainly feel like I've eaten more food than I've ever eaten in between two podcasts. Maybe it's just that one week. That's an interesting metric. I'm going to start tracking that. Have I eaten more food since the last time I recorded Winning War Cry? <laughs> What's the units in? Is it going to be like pounds? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of pies you have consumed. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <clears throat> awesome. Pints awesome. of whipped well, cream. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Way too many. Way too many. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's get into it. This is going to be our last show of the year. We have a, a probably what looks to be a quick one, but a good one. So uh, let's talk about hobby table. Uh, Jason, let's kick it to you. How's your hobby table looking right now? I've got a lot of kids' toys on my hobby table getting oh, ready for okay. uh, Christmas. But also, my kids keep dropping things that are breakable. And so I come home from work and they're like, yeah, they put another such and such and so and so on your hobby table. If you go fix that, that'd be great. So today I had to go down and fix some sort of little like ceramic cap model uh, that my kids dropped. So it's like, uh, you know, so my hobby table is full of family stuff uh, to fix and get ready for uh, the holidays. So that's that's what's been not a lot of war cry on my hobby table. I still have my... Um, my um uh astragon or aster how do you say it astragon true blood yeah yeah those guys are not fully 100 percent done yet so um still trying to get those guys done so that i can get them fully on the table here that's awesome. my table you, though lots you, of kids you've got stuff. like a you got a stance's workshop there yeah i really i really do yeah <laughs> You know, I, he, you uh, yeah, outsource and get some elves. And say he out. outsources to me. Yeah, <laughs> right. I get his overflow. You know. <clears throat> so, but quick funny story. Uh, this year, my youngest realized that Santa was just a myth. I think she realized it last year. She didn't want to say it because, what? um, yeah, she's eleven. I think she realized it last year, but she didn't want to say it for the threat of maybe not getting actual presents from Santa. You know, she's like, dude, if I don't say it, then we'll just keep going on, you know. But this year we she did actually that with brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to yeah. all our uh, seven-year-old listeners, I hope Justin didn't just spoil life for you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm if sure I did, you guys will totally to edit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was gonna say that um, you know, when you said like, oh, Santa outsources to me. Uh, when we had a whole thing where, um, I got some, like, uh, some Wawa eggnog bottles and I would cut the label off and I'd put Santa select reserve eggnog and I'd leave it in the fridge for them on Christmas Eve because nice. the kids like the, you know, and I left a, like uh-huh. a little letter that Santa wrote to them and by the cookies that I left out said, go, go get your eggnog. So we did this a couple years in a row. 
Well, like after the third year, I went to go get it, and all the eggnog was sold out everywhere. Like everywhere. Oh, no. Like I don't know if there was a run on eggnog or what. I could not find it anywhere. So I ended up finding just this one carton in a um, grocery store, and it was like pre-printed though. It was like Pepperidge Farm eggnog or like whatever it was, and I couldn't like repackage this right. So. I wrote a whole letter from Santa being like, hey, sorry, kids, I couldn't get my select reserve like reserve anymore. And uh, it turns out that uh, a reindeer kicked a lantern over and burned down the entire factory and like this whole story, <laughs> right? Of like Santa's reserve. So so we had to outsource the eggnog this year, you know. So hope you like it. It may not be as good, but there you go. And um and so when my daughter confronted me about Santa Claus this year, she she says, well, what about his eggnog? And I'm like, baby, I, I got the eggnog. And she's like, and the story about the factory burning down, that was all a lie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> to which you responded, yeah, aren't you proud of me? That was a good one. I know. That was a good one, yeah. So I just I just thought about that, Jason, when you said uh, you know Santa outsources to you because uh, you know he had outsourced eggnog one year to our kids. You ever made so. your own eggnog? Yeah. Have you ever made your own eggnog? No. Have you, you tried try, it? Jason? Everybody should try it once. I've done it a few times. You you actually made your own eggnog? Oh yeah, dude. You can. Uh... There's lots of recipes online. You just temper the eggs into a uh, into a heavy cream and sugar mixture. Well, I it's already not, don't actually, know what tempering it's not, it's is. It's not that hard. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, you just like temper it, and you know, like okay, <laughs> you just make a roux and you temper it. Yeah, and a roux. You add some yeah. Souffle. I mean, that's like... for that's when you're doing uh, when you're doing root beer. What would you just make your wort? What do you put in your wort? <laughs> yeah, all sorts of. Sassafras. Awesome. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyways. Uh, Dan, how's your hobby table? So I uh, painted a Varengard, um, sort Ooh. of trying to make it so I could put it in Nurgle or Zinch. Um, that is an interesting Varengard. Yeah, it's uh, it's got huge horns, as you can see, uh, yeah. bigger than <laughs> bigger than the actual horse. Um, but pretty sweet. It's a, a Raging Heroes sculpt. And then I also painted a Dark Oath War Queen that is too far away for me to reach at the moment. I love the Dark but, Oath models. Yeah. Um, I actually went third party for that one too. It was oh, a, really? okay. what is it? A uh, White Werewolf Tavern sculpt. Um, Gash oh, Nax yeah. If anybody wants to uh, look it up. But um Pretty sweet, and I put them both in my Nurgle Demons Warband, so I got to play sort of uh, slaves, like Nurgle marked slaves to darkness, and I won a sweet little trophy that lights up. Ooh. <laughs> Where'd Just you like do that? Um, the Renegade Open, it's like a little convention in the Twin Cities. They're trying to grow. Um, they've got like a couple 40K tournaments, um like i think they try to do one narrative one competitive for 40k aos kill team this is their first year doing war cry and then um 
They've got a couple non-GW games, too. I can't remember. I know that X-Wing is one of them, but there's another one that's not X-Wing. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, so they've got a few different games. Um, they're growing. They're, you know, they're like a regular con, just smaller, which is which was fun. Nice. Um, and then now I'm starting up on, finally, the Jade Obelisk. I bought the Jade Obelisk when they were brand new. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I still have all the basing to do, um, but yeah, I got them when they were brand new and I'm only painting them now, but you know, that's just, now you know how long my backlog is. I'm currently working on a 10 month backlog, uh, <laughs> or no, are they a year old now? They're a year old them. now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get them right away, but yeah. Okay. So I'm working on a one year backlog is, uh, what my backlog is at right now. Um, Though, you know, it's because things like this Baron Guard keep skipping the queue. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been kind of getting a little bit busier with it because uh, I spent some time kind of not hobbying much at all. I really like when you get to a point where you have the battle line fighters that you want. So you can just paint a hero for a tournament mm -hmm. and then that's it. Um, just mm -hmm. a nice low stress way to prepare for a tournament and not, you know, like you're still excited, feeling like you're trying something new because you're trying a new hero that you haven't played before. Um, but you're, you know, not having to worry about getting a million things done. So that's been cool. Um, I too am working on my Jade Obelisk. So we're in good company, mm. Dan. <clears throat> so I've got to finish them up. I've got like some little details to do when I printed out some ruined temple bases. Um, yeah. that I think they're going to look good good with. And, um, uh, you know, right now they look a little flat to me. There's some details I want to put on there. Like I'm, I'm trying to go with like an Aztec sort of vibe with them because that's yeah. kind of like how I feel they are. So I need to put some like um, like some white lines like on the hems of their cloak, basically, you know, like and just yeah. kind of put some decoration on their cloaks a little bit. And I think that that'll look pretty good um but yeah yeah i love because it's like all their design cues are half aztec half um like uh like what are the what were the like religious knights that weren't allowed to spill blood um anyway like the warrior monks from from europe because they've got like yeah. these little the little crotch blankets um or like crotch mm -hmm. armor blankets which are like a very medieval europe uh, type of thing, um, but then they like also that. got like Aztec cues too. So I want to ask for one of those for Christmas. What do you want, honey? I want a crotch blanket. <laughs> crotch blanket, medieval crotch blanket, please. Yeah, yeah. yes, um, yeah. a medieval armored crotch blanket, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're they've been fun to paint. You know, they're they're um, surprisingly like low detail, and I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. Like. There, there's actually not like a ton to them, which can really slow you down in the painting process. But yeah. what they've done with the design is really great. So there's like it, beauty in its simplicity in a sense, you know? So yeah, that, those are my favorite sculpts to paint is when it's just like smart use of texture to make like mm -hmm. a really good, you know, we want to be our like art school kids chewing cigars, like good composition of textures you know something yeah. like that but <laughs> but those really are my favorite things to paint i don't like when it's like lots of little details to to catch like i don't like painting um regular gw slaves to darkness even though i think it looks incredible i just don't like painting it so i would never um actually do it and like same with 
uh, like corn blood warriors, you know, I just can't paint those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, there's something when, you know, it's just a little tedious, like it's like all the same thing. Also banded metal is like, after I did the red harvest terrain, I'm like, I never mm, want to yeah. paint a chaos like space Marine ever, ever, <laughs> ever, you know? And I feel like the corn blood warriors are like that, right? They got the banded mm -hmm. metal on the, on the armor and all that. And you're just like, I can't yep. do it. Can't yep. do it. So yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Good hobby table. Um, okay. So we are going to, we're going to do something called for, for this Christmas episode called our Christmas wish list. But before we get there, I realized that um, <clears throat> there is one of our listeners who uh, asked for me to share a little bit of details about the war cry game that we ran at our guild con in November. So it happened right after we recorded last time, and he just wanted a little bit of details about how we ran it because it was uh, literally a um, battle royale, like last man standing event that we had um, that was kind of interesting. I called it the battle royale with cheese, um, you know, to, to a little nice little Pulp Fiction re reference there. But um, so what we did is we had four players, two boards, okay, and um, – we uh, or actually, did I have two boards? I only think I had one board, Jason. Um. Oh, you mean? Well, there were you had two tables going. No, yeah, but I only boards. had one. It was two boards per. Yeah, that's right. It was two boards. So I put two boards together. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I put two boards together. Um, you know, like long edge touching long edge, so it made more of a square. And then um, we had each um. Each faction, so there's four players per table, basically. Each faction got to start out in a corner, and they put their entire army on. Like, it wasn't coming in on a different round. You just put your entire army on. And the you couldn't put it within nine inches of the center. So you basically had to do, like, a little circle, you know, and you could kind of, like, spread it out, like, in a half circle in your corner. Um, also, every player was given two objective markers that they could put anywhere on the table, it just had to be six inches from the center and six inches from en any other objective, okay? So they put it on their own um, thing. Now, what it was is it was a fight to the death, literally last man standing, but we put in in one center, we put a Gorgon and uh, the table, and in another center, we put a Chimera, okay? So, you know, we had Monster in the middle, basically, with this, and the rule was is that if you were able to capture another player's uh, objective, it didn't matter who, anyone but your own, you could loot it once per game and get an artifact. And I had a list of artifacts that you got there, right? So you had to capture it, and then for an action, you could loot it. And um, if you burned that objective, you could loot it one turn and then burn it another turn. But if you burn that objective, you could resurrect any one of your fighters, Anyone, full health, they're back on the board, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, there's this nice little yin yang about I'm protecting my I'm protecting my objectives, but I need to go like get the other objectives too because the artifacts were pretty good that we had there. Um, and then what we did is we had the players roll off in the beginning before we had them roll priority, and uh, depending on who rolled the best, they could choose what round they wanted to control. The monster so like they may think oh you know what round three is a really good round to maybe control that chimera you know but you also run the risk that it might be dead 
So you yeah. got to just kind of choose, right? So whoever won the roll off got to choose what round they got. Um, and then basically the player who controlled the monster used the three activations like they normally would. Now, what it would do is um, you would roll for priority. Everybody would activate a fighter, you know, in the order of the priority. And then the player with the monster would act, do their one activation. Then everybody would activate their second fighters. And then the player would do the activation. Then their third fighters, player would do the activation. And then they were done with the monster until the next round. And then it was the next player's turn. So um, it was it was really interesting. One table, we literally got down to one player. And it was so funny because um, it was my brother. He was playing Iron Jaws. And they were just absolutely dominating the board. I mean, they were just like cracking skulls. I mean, charging, getting in there, resurrecting their dudes who died, just smashing things until um, one of the rules was is that on your activation, you could res the um the monster if it was killed right and so one of the players got to his objective res the res the monster right in the middle of like where all of his orcs were and then the orcs just started taking a beating from the gorgon you know what i mean and and like they're fighting back valley and they killed it again but it took out more than half of his guys you know and uh and then, like, it was a more fair fight at that point. And it just, it was pretty crazy. And then in our other game, we had um, KO playing. And uh, let's see, there's KO, Flesh Eater Courts. Um, who's, who else was on there? Let's see, KO, Flesh Eater. Uh, man, I don't remember who the other. There were two more. Uh, Untamed Beasts. And. Um, I don't remember who. Yeah. Anyway, well, oh, and bone splitters, bone splitters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. That one didn't finish out. They they um, played a bunch of rounds, but they were playing a little bit more cagey. That was the one with uh, the chimera out, on it. Yeah, they they took out the chimera twice on that thing. But one dude res the chimera like right like he like kamikaze in basically to the um, objective, capped it, and then just was like. I'm going to die anyway, but here's the Camara. Boom. And just dropped it in there. And it's just like behind enemy lines and just like totally wrecked full. So it was a ton of fun. We had a blast with it. Um, there's probably some things I would tweak a little bit, like the um, art, how, how you got artifacts. Oh, if you killed the if you killed the monster, you got one of each artifact because there was four artifacts. You got all four artifacts that you could that you could have. So there was like incentive to try to kill the monster. Um but uh, yeah, it ended up being a lot of fun. I think um, we wanted a very social game for our yeah. guild con, you know, and very like way more narrative focused. And so a four person battle royale was a ton of fun. We had a good time with it. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Any other insights on that one, Jason? Because you were kind of watching it as uh, as we're playing. Um, I think everybody had a good time. There was the typical. When you're playing a game of Warcry that's not standard Warcry, sometimes there's head scratching on what's the right thing to do here. How does this monster yeah. mechanic work? Do so if I kill the monster, but then I res him, but then I kill him again. Do I get more artifacts? Like there were a bunch of those weird, like little edge-based questions that you know kept popping up. But besides that, I think it was everyone had a good time. Yeah, it's for fun. So we, I kind of had yeah. to make rulings on the fly. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> do i get that no 
No. Why not? No. Just because I said no. Just keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep rolling your dice. You're fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good, though. It's good. All right. So I just wanted to give that because I know some people had asked about it. And, um, you know, like, I think the more that you can, you know, we had an episode about this a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago about, like, making sure you're having fun with Warcry, right? The more you can have some of these, like, kind of uh, not, you know, match play games, like, the more fun you can try different combos and have, have a good time. So good epic stories. All right. Let's get to it. Christmas wish list. You have... You're you're gazing out in a wintry sky. A blanket of snow is is on the ground, and as you look up, you see Santa riding across the moon with with Christmas wish dust flying behind him. And you catch a speck of that, and you get to make a wish. What is your wish for Warcry in 2024? What is your wish, Jason? We're going to start with you. What's your wish in 2024 for Warcry? I would like to see themed terrain that feels totally different so no more trees no more aztec ruins but just something totally new i think it'd be cool i think it'd be cool to have terrain with like swamps or water like actual like water somehow in the terrain like i mean not like actual you know splash water but like you know like ponds or pools or something like, ponds like that one week cool. that piece was yeah yeah, I think that would be really interesting. Uh, and it would be a totally like awesome add to the boxes of terrain we have now to make some really fun mm -hmm. like tables and stuff. You know, it's interesting because Kill Team just came out with a new box and it's a new season for them. And um they're playing around with like um like poison zones basically mm, where like mm -hmm. you can cross it but it's going to be to your detriment like either you lose the movement or and that's a basic one but you could like end up taking damage you could end up you know losing out on skills or something like that so i haven't dug yeah. into it too much but i noticed that they've got these like swampy areas that like you can't do it and it's built into sort of the board area um that they have on there so That'd be kind of interesting to. Yeah, I to think do. that would be a fun add to kind of give a new feel. Because mm -hmm. right now, I think most of the, you know, most train, you can imagine a little bit with some of the like uh, the bamboo bridges and things, but mo most of it feels like it's just, it's on dirt. You're playing, you're fighting on a dirt landscape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that, that would be cool. Ground wastes. I think doesn't help with that either. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite board they've ever sold was the one that came with the, uh, they made a pack that was like double Sylvaneth Wildwood, where it was just mm -hmm. six trees. It's not actually the best board, but it came with a board that was a river. And a river kind of went like wound down the board. And every time I do that, I put the terrain where the water isn't, and it just feels like a real place every time. Uh, and it, I just love the look of it every single time I play on that board. Um, yeah, so yeah, it'd be, yeah. be nice. The uh, the two custom boards we had at Nova Open, um, both had um, things that could kind of feel well. One of them was a super, like there was like a river running through the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then but one of them, which was like the stone, I don't probably can't pull the pictures up quickly, but. The one that had kind of the stone that was table one, I think, mm -hmm, at yeah. our Nova Open, 
had like ponds, little pond areas in mm -hmm. it, which I thought really made the board look cool and fun. I think it'd be cool to have rules around that. Like, yeah. you know, poison rules or movement rules or something like that. I mean, it'd be cool to have like acid pools and you could push people into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pushing, <laughs> you know? pushing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd yeah. Be rad. Cool. Anyway, so cool. that, that, that I That's think good. that could be fun. Yeah. Cool. 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 Uh, Dan, what's on, what, what is your Christmas wish list for Santa? My number one thing would be to see a release of two bespoke war bands, you know, maybe like what they did with Hunter and Hunted, where it was like Mawpack versus Wilder Corpse, but it was just like less, not an entire board, but where the two teams are expansions of already known teams. Oh, so, like, okay. let's say, like, the Iron Golems were the first poster children of, of 1.0, mm -hmm. right? Let me see, I don't know, the Steel Golems. And they get the same rune mark. They're on the same team. You mix and match them with Iron Golems. But it's just, like, different, just different Iron Golems, you know? Just, like, gives they've them leveled a up. Style. Yeah. yeah, and... You don't have to necessarily power creep it so that you wouldn't sure. use the other ones. Like, sure, it'd be nice if it was you get one, you have one box of each, and combining them is better than just having one just out of the box. But, like, maybe even some of them have abilities that are interesting for the ones in the previous box, or mm -hmm. you know, just like expand the play style. Um, some of the original six didn't really have. The most defined play style um they're doing a really good job with that now and so if they could get like bring some of today's um sensibilities into you know some of the aesthetics of that first bunch that they did because you know the aesthetics i mean just the the design of the models when Warcry first came out, like blew people away. Nobody had seen anything like Cypher Lords in Warcry or in Warhammer before. Nobody had mm -hmm. seen anything like Corvus Cabal before. Um, and so the fact that those those warbands kind of languish a little bit because it's not the best mechanical design. Like the Corvus Cabal gimmick is like so hard to set up. It's not powerful enough to be worth wasting an action to climb into a tree to then use dice to get the action back when you climb down out of the tree. Like it's just, right. it's never ever worth it. Um, and so like if they did a new Corvus Cabal, um, you know, what Corvus is like Latin for, for raveny like just yeah. think of a new bird make latinish latinish for that bird and then you know have a similar group and they are all on the same team you mix and match them um but you've actually got like a you know the current design sensibilities the way they make warbands work now i mean like the last four warbands were just all so cool and so yeah you know, like they it, they clearly understood how to make them tick and how to give them all play style. So to see that, but combined with some of the original um, design aesthetics, would just make me so happy. That would be cool. I mean, yeah, you could call them like the Raven Guard, right? Which is like kind of an yeah. elite force within the Corvus Cabal or whatever, Absolutely. and and then mix and match. And like, what would be great is if, because um, like 
one of the biggest issues of the um of those original six that you said is their abilities are really not great. Like there's only one hero yeah. ability and there's only six like abilities total or something. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's yeah. not a lot of options. And so to add like a whole element in there that maybe other leaders could use as well. Like I, I love that idea. That would be really cool. You know? And like you said of the Raven, oh, that's, that's such a great idea. Cause it's like completely different. Like if it was all elite fighters. So like Corvus Cabal has that giant Shrike Talon and then the leader. Yeah. They don't have anything in between that's very compelling. So it's like you actually have a pretty elite force because the original Cabal has chaff models and then you kind of yeah. make a totally different um you know situation or play style out of there. And yeah, I just think there's so much that you could do. And to your point, yeah, the the abilities on the original six are just are not good other than cypher yeah. lords where the ability is so good that they have to make cypher lords garbage <laughs> just so that they can carry that ability and not be broken um yeah you know i think i think they've maybe overcorrected for it generally but the ability is like stupidly powerful and so like yeah. cypher lords have always sucked because they just make the profiles unplayable so that the ability isn't completely broken and you know, you could do something in between. I don't know. Yeah, you could do a lot. Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, keepers of the secret, right, or something like that for the cipher lords. And yeah, I mean, like yeah. you know, you could, you can totally. I, I think that would be awesome. That would be really, really cool. Um, One of awesome, their bits awesome. of lore said that um, the boss of the cipher lords is a cabal of mind stealer spheranxes. So it's like, give oh, nice. me, mm -hmm. give me, like the leader is a um cypher lords themed mind stealer spheranx mm. and yeah. let the aos people run it as a mind stealer and right yeah like something like that or have him or have like the mask off and he's part cat from the mind stealer right like he's oh, like that'd be so sweet yeah totally. yeah that'd be super uh -huh. cool <laughs> i hope you're listening james by the way your last <laughs> video was a little weird <laughs> did you see that christmas video they released no i didn't Oh, dude, it was it was like an acid trip. I was like, "What is happening here?" They tried to do the Ghost of Christmas Past, and it, like, I was like, "What did I just watch?" This is this is kind of scary. So, and it was well, literally I have a high tolerance for. I have a high tolerance for so bad it's good. So I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. It's, I linked it in our Discord. So if you look at the Warcry thing, you should see it in there. It's, it's okay, cool. weird. I so, can't wait. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I, all of the above of what you said, but my wish is more broad scale. My wish is that Warcry can finally take a seat at the table with the big boys. You've got golden tickets for Warhammer 40k. You got golden tickets for Age of Sigmar. You got golden tickets for Kill Team. Where's Warcry's golden ticket? You know. So what I would love to see, my Christmas wish, is that Games Workshop starts to put a little bit of more support into the Warcry War community, helping stand up more local tournaments, uh, more events, you know, like providing providing stores with, like, kits for tournaments that they used to do. Like, they tried to do that in 2018 when this thing came yeah. out and really set up, you know, kind of – really kind of help support a tournament scene warcry that we can then get to like the golden ticket level where we get to bring people from all over the world to atlanta or houston or nashville or wherever it is going to be and we can have a, a legitimate like 
world's best tour tournament. You know, I think yeah. I think that would be amazing. I wish they would do it. They do it for all the other games, but again, all the other games have you know a lot more player base than Warcry. But I would love to see it happen. And I think it's kind of chicken and egg a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Like Games Workshop isn't going to really support uh, big events until they see players start doing it. The players aren't going to really start doing it until they start seeing Games Workshop really supporting it as well. And so it's yeah. kind of like, okay, well, who's going to budge first? Like the community is trying here, you know, and if, uh, and people are buying the models, <laughs> like that's for sure. Like you're seeing them everywhere, you know? So anyway, that's my, that's my Christmas wish, like more of a community focused one, you know? I think when third edition comes, I think you will get your wish. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't. I don't see it in the cards for second edition, but I do think one day, one day you will get your wish. We will hopefully still be podcasting then, and yeah, we'll right. be able to look back on this, timestamp it, 33 minutes into the podcast. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think you'll get your wish eventually. Um, yeah. Sadly, I don't think it'll happen, you know, I don't think it'll happen next year. Yeah, I mean, 2024 might be a little bit too ambitious, but you know what, gosh darn it, it's my wish. This Right. This is my yeah. wish. You know? <laughs> I mean, I picked something that will never happen. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Jason's the one that's probably going to come away with the win, you know? Yeah. Our chance of getting good terrain at some point in the next year is like pretty decent. I'd say that's that yeah, absolutely. That absolutely. Awesome. Well, we hope that you all have your own Warcry Christmas wish. And, you know, Christmas Eve, when the night's twinkling out there, please go all make your Christmas uh, Warcry wish list and, and post it in our Discord. I want to hear what all of your Christmas wish wishes are. And, you know, maybe some of them will come true. Like, maybe, maybe you know what, I'm going to call forth the power of the log, which is if you believe it hard enough, that it will come true. Like that's the that's the power that the orcs have in in uh, Warhammer. So you know, let's wog this together. Let's wog this together. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our faction breakdown, and we are going to talk about. Um, I pulled up an amazingly good eggnog recipe. Uh, you know, so I have that window open, but I'm not going to share about that. Um, let's pull up the Black Talons. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm actually excited about this because I have a feeling that Santa's going to be good to me this year, and this is what's going to be under the tree for me. So oh, I'm glad awesome. that we're talking about this because, A, I love the fact that I only need to paint like five models or six models. And Big five ups models. to that. And yeah, five models, and that they actually look pretty good on paper. Um, I like them. So uh, let's let's start with this real quick. Dan, you had asked me before the show if I had actually seen uh, Black Talon on mm-hmm. Warhammer Plus, and I have seen about two episodes of it. I've been meaning to get back to it, but I've got a backlog of other shows that I'm watching that I just didn't get to it. Um, I got into it enough to get a good feel of the characters, but not enough to understand really like the real meaning behind the plot of the show. Cause like there's some sort of like they would they would be out there fighting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not spoiling anything because this is like literally like the five minutes into the show. They'd be out there fighting and then they would die, and then of course Sigmar would resurrect them. 
And yep. every time they would get resurrected, like they'd get this more ominous, like foreboding feeling of something that was happening. And Neve Black Talon kept getting these flashbacks of like maybe what seemed to be like her former life. And she kept feeling like things were maybe something was wrong, something that was happening during the process, and they kind of need to get to the bottom of it. So, yeah, cool. That's um, that's actually maybe they're doing the show of the plot of the first book. I read. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. That makes sense then, because um, I read one of the books. Um, a Nave Black Talon book, and she would. It involved a lot of flashbacks um, to like her human life that she didn't. She didn't remember, and then like mm -hmm. some Sylvaneth people were telling her that she used to be, you know, a woodland person at some point, or etc. Um, the book wasn't bad, actually. I'm talking about it like it was just yeah. like unmemorable garbage, but it wasn't bad. Um, what, what's interesting is like we've got the picture up here from the Warhammer community, and this is her fighting a whole bunch of blood reavers, right? Like um, uh, from Corn, and that is like who she's like her perennial enemy. But in the show, like there's some Nurgle stuff that starts happening. So um, you know, I think that that's starting to corrupt maybe the process. That's what I was like getting into, like in episode two, and so I need to go back and watch it. But um, I can't spoil it for anybody because I haven't seen it all myself. So, haha, -ha. no spoilers for you, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So this is her team, you know, her and her five friends. They're really kind of like the Sigmar, like special forces in a sense, right? Like yeah. they're sent to like where like some things need to happen, like if they need to like you know, kill a chaos Lord. If they need to like uh, go in and wreck some stuff, like this is the team that Sigmar sends in um, to, to go do that. They're not like the rank and file uh, liberators or grand hammers or something like that. Like they're really like behind the scenes, special forces. They've all got a role. And um, I think that that brings us to kind of who they are as a, as a war band, because I, I feel like they captured it well with their abilities and with their um uh with their stats that they have so let's uh yeah. where do you want to start dan should we start with their stats or their abilities what do you think um well luckily each of them only has one ability so they're all like tied you know the, the fighter and the ability are tied together so i think we can go just maybe down the line um do you want to start with knave or do you want to end with knave So like each fighter is tied to one ability. All right, so we're uh, all right. We're gonna have to pause here for just one second because I'm having technical difficulties with my earbuds. Give me one second. Okay. Fix some earbuds for Christmas. Ask for some earbuds. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yep. Okay. Ah, all right. All right. Back. Uh, yeah, my other ones died. So, okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Where did we want to start? Uh, yeah, I think we can just go down the line of fighters because, you know, each one only has one ability. So we yep. can, you know, just tie the fighter to the ability. It's not like some of those war bands where it's like there's a universal that they all have. So you kind of have to talk yep. about that first. But then there's this other. Anyway. Um, yeah. Do you want to start with Nave or do you want to end with Nave? Let's end with Nave. 
Okay, okay. let's start with let's start with Rostis Oxenhammer. Dude, this guy is a beast. Yeah, I mean, awesome. <laughs> this guy. I mean, he he only has like, and I'm saying this in quotation. He only has one inch reach with his hammer. Um, but because like, if you look at the picture of him up here, right, like he's got a grand hammer, which is. Yep. Um, do they normally have two inch reach on that? With the thunder, it looks right? like you could. Yeah, it looks like he could reach two inches. You yeah, know, just like hold it by the end of the handle and just. <laughs> But alas, Here. that is not how apparently he uses his hammer, but he does use it to great efficacy because he's got a one-inch reach, four attacks, strength six, three-six damage. And this is just bonkers. I mean, you're probably doing average of nine damage. I mean, like minimum nine damage a turn, an, uh, like an, ac uh, an action, right? Like so, and that's if he doesn't get any crits. And with no discrimination, right? With that strength yeah. six, I mean, how many things are there? Like, there's FOMO crushers, and there's some other Stormcast, and everybody else is just like getting the yeah. business from him. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Um, so he, the, he's got a four inch move. He is toughness six himself and 25 wounds. Like, this guy is like, he's beefy. Like, the definition of beefy because of the oxen hammer. I mean, he's got, you know, beef horn sticking out from the back of him, too. So um, his his ability is um, tied to Wind Rider, okay? So it is a quad, um, and like you said, Dan, there's no universal abilities here. It is a quad. No, his ability isn't Wind Rider. That's Nave's ability. His ability. Oh, that's is... right. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the is Storm of storm? Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Storm of Death. Yeah. So he's got a devil. Pick a visible friendly fighter with the Black Talons rune mark within a number of inches of this fighter equal to the value of this ability. That fighter makes a bonus move action or bonus attack action. Amazing. Excellent, right? Amazing. This guy is amazing for 200 points. Yeah, he's yeah. absurd. I mean, if, you yeah. ally him, if you could ally him, yeah. Everyone would want to. You'd like you'd be done. It would the question of who to ally in order if you don't know what to do with your points, like the question would be over. Now you can't ally yeah. him, which is probably good. But yeah, he's incredible. I mean, he's, he's just so amazing. Good. He does everything. Yeah. Um, one thing, could you imagine one thing if I, Storm of Justice was uh pick a visible friendly fighter, period? Yeah. It'd yeah. Be yeah. <laughs> It'd be so broken. It would be. It, it would be. be. Yeah. I, to me, so there's two things that about this that I feel like um, Games Workshop has sort of learned um, in writing abilities that make it really good. One, it's uh, the number of inches with equal to the value of this ability. I some auras are okay if they're fixed at six inches or nine inches or whatever it is, but I really like the mechanic of like, look, I've got a, a number two one here that should mean something. Do you know what I mean? And so writing in there where it's equal to the value of the number on the dice, right? Um, I think is really great. And then they're understanding like they've got to sometimes limit these these abilities to their own faction. So even yeah, if you do ally down. someone in, yeah. So even if I do ally in somebody else, like, I mean, if you allied a, a um, uh, you know, some sort of like Thundercast, um, you know, Grand Hammer or something, or Thunderstrike Grand Grand Hammer, like, that dude could be moving, like, like a pound town. You know what I mean? Just, like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So, well, yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like it. Do you I, I guys, think he's do you guys like for 200 points? I know it's ridiculous. He's amazing. Yeah. Do you guys like the value equal to like the number of inches equal to the value? Like, do you like that mechanic? I think I it do. gives you a little bit more of a meta game when you're determining how you're going to use your wild dice. Yeah, I agree. And at list building, it makes me think about it at list building because I really like when I have the option. Um, you know, like I really like having two doubles where one is just pretty mm-hmm. good and one is, mm-hmm. you know, potentially broken if I'm double sixing it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I still have something to do if I didn't roll any high doubles to use. So I, yeah, I like those. I like those doubles and I like that they also force you to have another double in your warband. So really cool. Yep. I think it, um, I think it does a good job of scaling the strength of an ability dice. Like if this was just double and pick someone within, you know, three or six inches, mm-hmm. it just, it always has the same impact. But if you say, well, worst case six inches, then you can almost nerf this a little bit by saying, oh, it's the value of the dice for how far away they are. Then it, then it becomes yeah. a little bit more of a dice implication as to how strong this ability can be. Yeah. I've said for a long time that the um, dragon mall needed to be equal to the value of the dice with how strong uh, it is. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to do anything to it, doing that as a first step would be very useful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's just nice to see that. Nice to see that. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's talk about Shakana Golden Blade. For 180 points, she uh, is using her swords. She's got three attacks, strength four, two, four damage. She does have a ranged attack. It's a three to 15 inch range attack, four attacks, strength three, one, two damage. We'll get back to that in just a second. Um, She does have a movement four, toughness five, 25 wounds. Again, no slouch on the toughness and wounds category right here, right? Like she's going to, she can take a beating. Um, her melee profile is nothing to write home about, in my opinion. Three attacks, strength four, two, four damage is okay. It's okay. Um, but the standout to me is the ranged attack here. On the surface, I saw that the first time I looked at this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such hot garbage. Four attacks, strength three, one, two damage. Who would ever use that? Who would ever use that? Well, let's go up and talk to her about her ability. Because it's kind of interesting. It is a triple. It's a headshot called headshot. You add the value of this ability to the damage points allocated to enemy fighters by each hit and critical hit from the next ranged attack action made by this fighter in this activation. So again, value the ability. So you could have anywhere from a one to a six, right? But Mm -hmm. let's just say you got an average of a four on your triple. Okay. Um, with with her, she's strength three, so she's probably going to be hitting on fours or threes and four, or sorry, fours and fives predominantly, right? Um, and uh, how, like, how do you like this ability with 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 it? Because like, if you had a four on the dice, you'd be hitting on fives and or doing five and six damage for each hit and critical hit. So. For me, if you're going to design a fighter to be bad, mm-hmm. it should be bad and compelling. 
And this okay. fighter is bad and compelling. I think they did an incredible job. I think that this is so cool uh, because not everything can be good, right? Like something is going to be the best. Not everything can be good. This is incredible because when it spikes, it can do so much. Now, it's a trap because it's only strength three, right? So right. you can only kill yep. pretty cheap models. If you're spending triples on your 180-point fighter to kill cheap models and it doesn't have any other utility, you're not going to have a good time. But that's okay, right? Because it will give you memorable moments, and that's... If you're going to design a fighter that's not very good, like that's what you give it, right? You give it the ability to give you memorable moments. And like trip sixes, you know, shooting a strength three or a toughness three fighter, you hit a, you know, crit hit. And uh, what's that? Like 15 damage off of just yeah. a crit hit and a triple. I mean, that's, that's everything you've ever wanted, right? So, um, yeah, I think you can do awesome stuff with this. Would I ever do it? You know, this would be the first fighter I would cut, but um, I think it's I think it's amazing. I think it's so cool. Yeah, I so the thing is, is to me the memories are going to come when you're like, screw it, I'm going to take a shot at the Fulmeroy Crusher with this thing. I know I'm hitting sure. fives and sixes. I know I'm hitting fives and sixes, and then you roll a five and two sixes. You know, and and all of a sudden, like you just like like totally knock that thing down. You know what I mean? And you know, of course, it's like a, a luck of the roll of a lot of dice, and you can't count on it. I don't think you can build anything around it. But gosh dang it, man, it gives you the chance to just say, like, like Leroy Jenkins, let's go. You know, <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's fun. Um, I would struggle to want to build a list that I depended on it in because, like you said, there's there's really two gambles that are happening. One, you're gambling on your ability dice to be able uh -huh. to give yourself a triple and not triple consumes a lot of your ability dice and wild yeah. dice, right? So that's the first gamble. The second gamble is toughness or strength three. <coughs> so there's two gambles for that to be useful um, yeah. in a round. Um, I, but I'm with you. I think it, I think it would make for really fun Hail Mary moments in the game. Uh, I just don't like to have fun Hail Mary moments based off of triples. That's me. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I mean, like, okay, so let's talk about her melee real quick. I know that we're like, it's like nothing to write home about, but like three attacks, strength four, two, four damage. The two, four damage isn't terrible either, you know? And, um, you know, like, yeah, but Rottmeyer Creed's got, Rottmeyer Creed's got guys that are, I guess they're like 120, 130. That's got the same sweet profile. That's the thing is, I think if you're just looking, if you're saying, well, I may not ever get her arranged in, and I may just use her for the uh, the melee, then she's, melee. then you're using a 180 point model as like a 110 point model. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I do like about it, if her attack was scarier, um, it, it would make people want to rush her down. And then that three four two four, it's like you rush her down with a chaff model just to tie her up so she can't shoot uh -huh. something. And then she just, you know, six dice, like two attacks, six dice, six four two four can take out that chaff model. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's yeah, like, I like that's it's good just point. enough. Because I'm a big fan of the Knight Arcanum as a like if you're gonna play Thunderstrike, but you don't want to be like really competitive and take Calthea and like. Um, you know, do the do that thing. 
I'm a big fan of the Knight Arcanum, and it also has a 3-4-2-4 profile um, in melee. And of course, you're not taking it for that, but people all the time like run that thing down, and then they go, wait a second, Toughness 5, 28 wounds, I'm never going to kill her. She's got 3-4-2-4, like the chaff that I ran her down with is, you know, going to get deleted. She's eventually going to be able to shoot again, like, um, you know, she just that to me like that's what it's for and it it does the job i think it's great so let me ask you this let's say um you hadn't looked at this warband at all right and i sit down across the table from you and i say okay here's my models here's what they do as we talked about you should do right yep. you know a yep. pre-game here's my models here's what they do and you tell them okay on a triple i can take the value of that and add it to every hit and critical hit of one of my ranged attacks after I use this, right? What like what are you thinking about that model? Like, you know what I mean? Like what like what like what would your reaction be if you had not like really sat down and thought about it? Uh like would you want would you want to go send something to tie it up? Would you feel like it's a threat? Unfortunately my my reaction would be LOL, good luck. Okay. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Personally. I think I think that there's a lot of people out there that who may not be as experienced with Warcry that'd be like, oh crap. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah, do. Yeah. I do. I think there's a bunch of people that'd be like, oh crap. Like I think it would be it, scary for a lot of people. You know, 15 inches, you can shoot me from 15 inches and like and their mind immediately goes to, oh my gosh, you're gonna roll a six triple. Holy crap. That's like seven and eight damage if you hit me with that. You know what I mean? So like well, it's a nineteen inch threat range, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I do I'm think that a treasure mission, right? If I'm yeah. giving a treasure to one of my cheap guys so that my mm -hmm. big guys can go hunt down your treasure carriers, now all of a sudden I'm pretty annoyed because I can't give a treasure to one of my cheapest guys. Um, yeah, I have to give it to a big guy that she can't touch, and so now that big guy's not running down your treasure carriers. So, like, uh -huh. the odds that we get like just tied into a draw or something are really high all and that's annoying but um so i do think it's it's got something there but otherwise yeah. i would yeah this is the first one you'd cut um interesting because lorai the next one uh child of the abyss this is the first one i would cut um oh, this model with the warband <laughs> you think so yeah i do I oh do. i can't wait to hear this okay all right so her melee is, uh, you know, one one inch range, two attacks, strength three, one three damage. Um, she has the wizard blast, which is uh, three to seven inches, three attacks, strength three, three seven damage. Um, she has movement five, toughness three, and twenty wounds. So she's a little bit weaker than the other one. She's basically like a cities of Sigmar sorceress. Oh, she um, flies. And she flies. She does fly. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Very important. So Dan, uh, do we need to talk about her ability before you tell us why you love her so much? Yeah. I mean, the ability is good. Uh, okay. You won't use it most rounds, but it is good. I mean, uh, minus one attack. The reason I like minus one attack is the best threats in the game are all few attacks, but each attack yeah. does a million damage. Right. Like the Ogroid Myrmidon has like three attacks, right? Right. And most yeah. of the minus one attack fighters are just like the profile is so bad you can't really use them. Uh -huh. um, and even then, I actually think they're still a little underplayed based on 
like at least like locally how many myrmidons there are how many yeah. you know yeah got lords and tyrants there are um so i think that that's you know really good in the like when you use it it's amazing and you just mm -hmm. won't use it that often but when you do it's it's incredible but i think because i've heard some other people say that this is the worst fighter in the warband and i don't actually think it's the best i think it's the second best rostus is obviously the best fighter in the warband uh -huh. but I do think that she's the second best fighter in the warband, and I think she's pretty head and shoulders above number three, in my okay. opinion, because people are underestimating what happens when you add a third dice to that awful wizard ability. And, you know, the extra point of crit's not bad, but wizards, you know, they're always rolling two dice, but it's always three six. So when you do hit on your wizards, they like blow stuff off the board. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I talked about how Shakana can spend that triple, um, really destroy Chaff. Well, Lorai does that job better than Shakana does, because she doesn't require any dice, right? She can kill a Chaff model really easily and also protect your friends from their big threat model at the same time. I think that's so powerful. She flies. I think fly is a really underrated keyword. Um, a lot of flyers have so much move that you don't notice the fly. You're just like, well, 12 inches was going to get me there whether I was flying or not. You know? <laughs> right, right, um, right. But on on cheaper fighters, like Night Haunt, um, you know, their stats are so weak, they have other problems. But like back when they could resurrect stuff, so they were actually decent, um, that fly was really annoying, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think she's really good. She's squishy and she has no male. Like if they do run her down with a chaff model, she can't kill that chaff model, right? She doesn't have right. any melee, but she can just fly up into, you know, into a tree and then shoot stuff from the tree, right? Yeah. And that's really good. Um, so I think, I think this model just has so much play to it. I think there's just a ton of stuff you can do here. Mm -hmm. So you think that she is the second best here? Yeah. Like, are you talking, are you including Neve in this one? Yeah, I am. Really? I've, I've been playing with Neve. I'll save my Neve thoughts. Um, okay. But yeah, okay. I think Lariah is incredible. All right. All right. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, so I do, I do like the 3-7 profile because a lot of chaff have 9 or 10 wounds. Right, eight, nine, or ten wounds, and so mm -hmm. if you were to get a hit and a crit, like that thing's gone. So mm -hmm. that does yeah. that does matter. Um, you know, I think with the flying, using the platform terrains that are in this game, um, she's a great chaff hunter. Mm -hmm. She's gonna she's gonna fly she's gonna fly to an area <laughs> outside of the outside of the movement of the chaff that's trying to get her and blast it before it can get to her. Yeah, and if right. the terrain cooperates she'll fly somewhere and then she'll spend the entire game like she'll she'll move twice in round one and then she'll shoot six times she'll sit there and go yep yep yeah all right well i can't wait to try her out and see you know see what the deal is um all right so let's talk about hendrick the silver wolf yeah right um i she She's a, she's a deep kin, actually, isn't yes, she? Yes, she is. She is, yeah. Jason loves elves. 
I would kill to have her in Idenet Deepkin. Oh my god, that'd be so great. Yeah. They have so All many right. problems. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Hendrick the Silver Wolf. Um, he's got two weapon profiles. Um, basically, he's like got a long sword, right? So like he's using it one-handed or two-handed. Um, yeah. So if you if you were to use it one-handed, it's four attacks, strength four, two four damage. If you were to use it two-handed, um, it is three attacks, strength five, two five damage. Uh, it's got movement four, toughness five, twenty five wounds, which is uh, to be pretty standard for the black talons here. And he also has the same ability, um, which is Storm of Justice as well. So um, he's got that going for him, which is nice. Um, so what do you think? Okay, so first question, which melee profile are you using and why? Math Hammer. Um, did I math this out ever? I did. Now, are, you, okay. are, you, are you willing to give up the extra attack dice for more strength and a little bit more crit damage? What, what do the stats so, say? What are the statistics? Yeah, so I uh, mathed it out before we went on. So assuming you aren't onslaughting, because why would you yeah. and the other double is so good? Right. Um, against toughness three, that four, four, two, four is better. Okay. Uh, against toughness four, um, they are so close that it doesn't matter, but technically the three, five, two, five is better. Uh, and it is also better against toughness five, but then against toughness six, uh, that four, four, two, four comes back around and is better. You're fishing, you're fishing for crits, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So it seems like um, when in doubt, 4424. Four. Yeah, because even when the 3525 is better, it's not better by much. It is better against uh, 4 and 5, but it's the difference is tiny. Um, like against 4, it's 5 and a third versus 5 and a half on average. Mm -hmm. So like, who cares? Um, but the difference against toughness three is huge. It's more than one day. It's six and three quarters versus five and a half. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so what? I don't if know. What do you guys think about him though? Like, you're outside a range of anyone to use the double. Hmm. Um. Sure. All right. Yeah. Next, so you got a you got a double one or something. You got snake. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. So now you're then you're onslaughting the. Toughness five one, yeah, or the strength five one, yeah, yeah. So here's okay. So here's the question, um, which which is great. Like if you have a double that you think you're going to use for something, and you're like, oh shoot, now I have to use onslaught. Like that's not a bad problem to have, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But um, all right. So here's the question um, to maximize Hendrick. So okay. So for what? Let me back up, Chase, uh, uh, Dan. You had asked a question. What do I think of him? He's 155. He's the cheapest of the fighters here. Mm -hmm. um, for Stormcast, it has toughness 525 wounds, which comes into play in this in the stat line there. 3525. I think he's I think he's overcosted just a little bit. However, I think that that price is built in to have the Storm of Justice in there. Because if you can chain another, like an additional attack by another fighter in there or a move, like you're talking yeah. about economies of um, action economies right there. So the action economy to add another basically half of a turn for another fighter is built into that price. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of, so I feel like he is 
priced correctly. But without that, if you're not using the Storm of Justice, he's overpriced. That's how I feel. Yeah, the fact that he can storm Rostus. Rostus can't storm himself, right? Right. But Hendrik right. can storm Rostus, so that part's good. And yeah, Rostus just... can storm Hendrik. And I don't think Hendrik's a bad fighter. You know, like, I don't think he's terrible, but, like, you know, Hendrik can start, like, if you put these two together and just, like, with, you know, bash bros together, you know, like, into something, like, I, you're, I mean, you can be taking down monsters with these two guys, you know, because yeah. you're getting and essentially for, three attack actions out of them or activations out of them. And for 155, 25 wounds is better than, you know, what other Stormcast pay in terms of just being hard to kill. Um, so that part's kind of nice, you know. I don't think he's very good, but I don't think he's terrible by any means. Uh, he just, I think he is pretty poor in the context of this warband because they need other stuff, right? They need numbers or something. And so I, he'd be one of the first things I would cut. But um, but yeah, I think, you know, compared to other move four Stormcast that exist, he's Perfectly fine, perfectly right in line with every other Stormcast. I think he's a good mid-tier uh, contender. I mean, if you're going up against another warband that has a mid-tier fighter that's typically on the you know 110 to 150 range, mm-hmm. they're doing a 2-4 profile as well. He's got toughness 525. He's going to stand toe-to-toe with him pretty well. Mm-hmm. So like it's one of those like I'm not really sure what to do, but I've got a potential opportunity to engage another mid tier fighter. He's probably going to hold his own in that fight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, the interesting thing is that he can storm. So the storm of justice allows you; it allows any attack action. It's not just melee. It's not or range, right? So like. Yeah. If you love Lorai so much, put those two together. Put Lorai and Hendrick together. You know what I mean? And and let him activate her, you know, um, nearby and let her blast someone, you know. So I, I know it's kind of hard if he does. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um she actually yeah. doesn't do more, but she does about the same as he does, but she does it at range. Um right. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't think Hendrick is like you know, something you're going to be excited about after playing a lot of this warband, but I think he's fine. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's talk about Neve, the leader of the pack, the lady with two axes, whirling blades all around us. She has her axe attack, six attacks, strength five, two, four damage. Um, she also has a range attack, which is, um, it says a bow, but she really throws her axes and thing. So um, it's a 10 inch Three attacks, four strength, one four damage. Um, she has a movement of seven, toughness five, 30 wounds, and her um, her ability is the Wind Rider. This is very situational, but I think the situation works well with her. Um, if you, you can only use this ability if an enemy fighter has been taken down by attack action made by them this activation. Remove this fighter from the battlefield, then set this fighter up on a platform or near the battlefield floor, more than six inches away from all enemy fighters. You can subtract the value of this ability from that six inches to a minimum of zero. So that's kind of rad. I I I love I'm liking the quads that GW is putting out. 
Dan, you've got like a scrunchy face. You don't like this quad, do you? I can't imagine a single time where this quad does anything at all unless it's quad sixes. And so, like, what are right? Because you have to kill something yeah. first, right? And then you get to teleport, but you don't yes. get to teleport into combat, right? So, if you have a five or six, you can. Oh, exactly. not a five. Well, actually, you can't on a five. Nope. Okay. Um, That's so, true, because you'll be outside of one. You're technically um, outside of one, yeah. yes. So you have to have sixes. Here's where this works, Dan. You've got one dude that's capping an objective out there, and you need to, you know, and you're contending, and all of a sudden you kill someone on one side of the board, and you can go help cap that objective. That's right? so bad compared to every other quad in the game. But, but yeah, I mean, that does do something. That's true. I mean, if she's that by herself, like, what are you going to do with another quad? You're, you know what I mean? Like, you could warp to a treasure holder on the other side of the board. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, I'd still, I can't imagine a lot of in, like, you can set it up Christmas land style, but I think in most games, even on. It is Christmas time, Dan. Yeah, it is Christmas time. I just think in most games, on even on quad fives, you're just going to rampage her, right? That attack profile. Especially with seven move. Yeah. um, I mean, you only get a move five. Yeah, you only get a move five with rampage anyway, so. But like, um, yeah, on fours or fives, you know, you're gonna get to another model to attack, and I just think you want to be using that six five two four damage profile as many times as you can, right? To to make it worth it. So I I'll, think this quad basically, okay. I just I would suggest people don't even read it. Um, <gasps> but but wow. she's okay on her own. I mean, you know, she's okay. Okay, so. So here's one of my biggest gripes about Stormcast, and maybe it's going to be less so with Neve because she's got movement seven, right? Which is actually really freaking phenomenal. But um, one of my biggest gripes with uh, Stormcast is that you're really good at killing things, but then you find yourself out there all alone because the battle has moved on somewhere else. And it you two turns to get to anywhere you need to be you know, and you're just like, I mean, I saw that all the time with my um, uh, my paladin with the star soul mace. Like he would just wreck somebody, but by the time he'd wreck somebody, he'd look over and everybody had run off to somewhere else. And he's like, okay, I got to trudge over there. Especially like objective objective missions, like um, like a mission like um, uh, uh, was it hidden vaults, right, where you're burning an objective and. Yeah. You start on one side of the board just because that's where you put your per, put your person, and you've got to try to get a stormcast all the way over to the other side of the board. Like Neve being able to kill something and then just get over there on that same turn, setting her up for the next three rounds, I think is great. I think it's really good. Now, Christmas land time, you have to get a quad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you have to kill something. So like those things have to be aligned and. We have said before on this show very clearly that anytime you have one of these abilities where you have to kill something, normally just disregard it. So I don't think that this is as bad as usually those other ones, okay? Where you have to kill something and then you get to make a bonus move attack or, or bonus she'll get kills. Yeah. Because um, she'll get kills. I also think that it's more situational because you can you can move her such a distance, right? It's not just a bonus move. 
it's literally like across the board if you need it, depending on like where the fighters are. So I think it's better. I do think though that this is not your normal go-to quad. I agree with you hundred percent on that one. Like the rampage is still on the table, right? Like that should be probably your go-to quad. Um, I just think that this is another quiver in the in or arrow in the quiver for her though, you know, because she can't, she will get kills with that six attacks and strength five. Okay. okay. So if that's the case, then let's look at her card all by itself and compare okay. that to what her point value is. If we're not going to consider the quad as something that's really going to pop that often. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it'll pop at least once a game. Oh, Dude, no. I go so many games without rolling quads. Yeah, okay. I think so I think games. it'll pop. Like if you play twenty games with them, I think you'll get it once. Like I think you'll really? maybe okay. use it once in twenty games. I I don't think like anytime you get a quad, you should try to avoid using this quad. Like you can't use any other quad. Um, I don't know. I think it's so bad. Um, but but yeah, let's talk about the okay. card. Jason, All right. What do so you think? yeah, go ahead, Jason. Well. I love the I love the movement for sure for Stormcast. I think I would be I guess I'm I'm starting to not talk about the card, but <laughs> let me get back to the the card because I'm thinking about you know using Rostus or uh uh the chief guy, what's his name? Hendrick. Rostus yeah. or Hendrick to try to double up her on an attack or move, but with her seven, gotta be careful not to move outside a range of them because they're only moving four. So she's moving yeah. an additional three if you're trying to run up like on turn one. <clears throat> you got to be careful to do your order of operations properly to give her an additional move to get out there maybe first. But mm -hmm. all right, looking at the, I love that her uh, ranged attack can double as not a ranged attack, right? Yeah. So because it doesn't have a minimum range, you can She's use right it. Into combat. Yeah, mm -hmm. in combat as well. Because there's going to be situations where I don't want to throw six dice because I'm afraid of counter. Yep. Right. And it's also nice, um, I was actually talking about, uh, or talking with the uh, person who will be on this podcast next month, who will go yeah. unnamed, and uh, he was saying, he just thinks of it as net insurance. Like, if, if she gets netted, she still gets to do something. Yep, you can still. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, I love, I think whenever whenever people have profiles that have don't have a minimum, like First Fang is the, or First Fang, is that what his name is? Uh, yeah, in the in the fighter yep. named first thing. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. in untamed yeah. beast, he doesn't have a minimum range either. So his spear is a really nice weapon because you have that freedom of using it when you're close, or not having to move and still use that same profile all the way down to a minimum of engaged. Uh, yeah. So that I think and that's even, really really nice. I like the even do it, that and pull something off of. Sorry, I just I yeah. love first thing. Yeah, he's so first thing cool. is amazing. He's he's great. I love him. <laughs> Uh, I'm always looking for triples when I'm playing that, yep, playing that yep, warband. Sure. But, um, <clears throat> the one, the one range, uh, six, five, two, four. Mm -hmm. Once again, like five's good. So if you're putting her up with, with chaff, you're probably wasting what she should be doing. Uh, yeah. but if you're not putting her with chaff, there's a chance she's hitting on fours anyways. And you're rolling sixes. Like I would just be throwing counter back at you every time you swung at me with six dice. Ah, see, I don't know that you would. Um, like, I mean, you do, if you think you're going to die in my opinion, or if you, um, or if it's a chat, I would throw counter. If it's a chaff model, I would not be throwing counter. If, if she was going up against an ogroid Myrmidon, like that's not worth it. Well, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Or like agree, a gut lord or something. And, and an you should be sent- Mirbadon, absolutely not. Yeah, but like who who are you sending her into then? Who are you sending her into? That so would this should be where the whole point of the warband is to have six toughness five dwarves. Right. Or sure. six toughness five um or those little bone guys in uh OCR bone ring or more tech uh, yeah more tech guard yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yep yeah or like iron golems if you're just like yeah. i'm just throwing six iron legionaries on the board and yeah good luck clearing these she um she'll clear them i mean she'll clear them off the board it's just that they'll also counter you know she'll get attrition she has enough health that it's not right that big. like the first time she takes an awful counter she's not going to be that worried about it you know, uh, the second time it happens, maybe you'll be worried. But, but just I was so glad that you mentioned the Myrmidon because that was something that I wanted to compare her to. Uh huh. Because um, the Myrmidon is two sixty five. Okay. Same same wounds characteristic. Yep. Uh, one more toughness. Uh, two fewer move though, legitimately though okay. one more range. So two inch range on five inch move as opposed to um one inch on seven inch move yep but has the toughness six deals um actually the same amount of damage as her despite having a completely different profile right uh-huh. mirrodon's got three attacks for eight damage she's got six attacks two four damage so it actually yeah. the averages math out to be the same every time um so she is way more consistent in her damage than the mirrodon but if she fights a Myrmidon, she's going to lose every time because it's got one more toughness than her. And and this is why the fewer attacks, the better, generally. Um, when the Myrmidon does Onslaught, it becomes absurd, right? Like yeah, you get right. four attacks and like you just blow whatever you want off the board. And for her, Onslaught is, you know, much less useful. So... Um, I've been playing her in a TTS league lately, so I've only played two games with her so far, but uh-huh. in those games, she's been fine, right? Like, just fine. Um, like, she, she's won her fights, she's killed something in every game, um, you know, and, and didn't have to work very hard to do it. Um, but she has not been 285 points of good, right? And so mm-hmm. I think she is awesome but that is different than powerful you know what mm-hmm. i mean like because she is awesome i mean and the feeling of rolling six dice is just so cool and knowing that you're not going to whiff is so right. cool right like even if they're toughness five you're not going to whiff on six dice right like rolling hitting for fours you're not going to completely whiff so like that part feels great and so i do i am enjoying playing with her and i think like people should use her as an ally um, because in any non-tournament setting, any non-competitive setting, she's going to be great. Even if she starts off the board and comes in round two, she's still going to get in the action because she's got that move seven. I mean, she's just going to, you are going to notice her presence every single game. And that's what you want from like an ally when you're playing for fun. Um, You know, in competitive play, I'd probably take the Blood Rack Medusa over her, and I can't. Mm. So, like, I don't think I'd ever use her as an ally because the Blood Rack just does so much. But, you know, screw competitive play. Like, 90% of the Warcry I play is not played in a tournament. And, right. uh, 
and I think she's awesome. I think she's really cool. If you were to take this, uh, have you been playing the Warband as a whole, like in the TTS League, or just her, like? Uh, I've been taking her in Fire Slayers, okay. where I didn't want to, it's like a casual Christmas League, so I didn't want to take a Bloodrack Medusa because that felt yeah. mean, um, because that net is just, like, not really fun to play against. So I took her instead, and no regrets, you know, it's been yeah. fun. Awesome. Um, I'm curious to see how this war band would stack up competitively. This feels like more like a narrative war band, you know, um, than like one. I just don't know that they've got all the tools they need. They have some powerful tools, but I don't yeah. know they've got all the tools that they need to be competitive, right? I will say this. Neve is a freaking gets hunter, dude. Like, let her go after all those little freaking goblins, right? Like you, Like you said, like the nets and all that stuff. She'd just be killing him. It doesn't even matter, right? It'd just be like, uh, you know, little gits like, ah, like running for their yeah, lives. A, a double tap on her ranged attack is probably going to kill a git. Or yep, a movement exactly. attack is going to kill a git. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about, like, using underworlds? So to, like, you cut, you know, three... Like, even if you say cut it, if you wanted to cut Lorelai, even though I think uh -huh. she's amazing, um, if you cut Shikana, Lorai, and Hendrick for, let's say, Scaith, and then all of Scaith's friends, or, you know, like something to get like more numbers in here. Um, right. Do you think you could, do you think you could try to play competitively that way, you know, to, to count up to seven fighters or something? And then, you know, you still got Rostus and Knave or something like that. The problem, well, so you would need to, to really benefit from Rostus. Like, you need Nave and Rostus to kind of be playing off of each other, right? Because, yeah. like, for him, for his ability to really work, like, she needs to be near him. Um, so I, I don't know that I would cut that deep. Um, let's say you cut two of them. Let's say you cut Shikana and Hendrick, right? That's mm -hmm. a what is that uh 335 points um yeah. you could probably fit some underworlds in there for that but they need to be like you said like maybe the um some of the cheaper ones yeah like maybe kixie taka Odapodle, yeah like the starblood stalkers but then um i was excited for the reason i i liked the idea of um space wild hunt is uh like the horn elf uh buffing Rostus, giving Rostus bonus attacks. You know, giving Nave bonus attacks yeah. doesn't really mean much, but giving right. Rostus bonus attacks is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I liked that idea, but um you could try it with Starblood Stalkers. I don't know. I don't know. I did I don't think this warband sucks. Like the these are not yeah, this is not a terrible warband. Um right. I think you you're probably right that like there's no way to make them top tier, but they're cool. I think they're cool. Do you do you like them better than the Soulsworn Questers? It, like yeah. as a as a, a top to bottom war band. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the, the nice thing about the Questers is that you can ally any one of those people anywhere you want. But um, like if you were to just take a box of the Questers and compare them to the Black Talons, what do you think? What box do you think is better? Yeah, I think I think the Black Talons. What about you, Jason? I don't know. Um, I think the I I really like some of the fighter profiles here in the Black Talons for their point costs. 
I just, I'm trying to figure out, I'm not a big Stormcast player, so I would try to figure out how to get the model count up and the challenge of not being able to, um, uh, not being able to like the, uh, what would their, what did we just, we just said what their name were the questers, right? That they have the extra rule that lets you kind of just ally as many as you want in here. I'd almost think, would I just pull three of these? Let's see who has the hero rune mark. Just what's her name, right? Just Neve, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. she's the only one that could like technically be allied in somewhere, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's hard here to think how do I get my model count up? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got to ally two heroes in or the actually does order have do they have thralls in order? They don't. No, yeah, nope. they don't. So yeah. I I'm I think that like if I was going to build a competitive list, I might struggle with this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. But it's fair. Fun. I think, I think I'd have a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think you have, I, I agree, Dan. I think you have to go to the underworlds to try to really like squeeze some juice out of this. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. We didn't talk about their reaction. Oh, we didn't. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. So a fighter can make this reaction after they are targeted by an attack, but before the hit rolls are made. Count up to two critical hits from that attack action as hits instead. If this fighter has a hero rune mark and is within six inches of another finely black thorns rune mark uh, and has the champion or destroyer rune mark, which is literally like three out of the five, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Count up to three critical hits from that attack action as hits instead. Um... I think this is a great one if you need to stay alive from a Myrmidon <laughs> or a or or a uh, uh, like a, a Mega Boss or a Gut Lord or you know any one yeah. of these where yeah. you you can't afford to take two crits. So you can afford to take like two or three hits, but not crits. Yeah. As well. Why do you think they? I'm with you. I think it's I think it's good for sticking around a little bit longer. Why do you think they put that last sentence in there? That seems like overcomplicating this reaction. I agree with that. Yeah. Where you get I three instead of two, makers. but you have to I think be within, makers. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's to make her feel cool, you know, like Nave Meredith. gets extra from the reaction, even though yeah. Nave is the one that I would like. I hope if everything's going right that I never react with Nave ever, right? Right, but, right, um, right. That's the thing. But yeah. you know, there are times when things go wrong and you have to, right? It's like. Um, like Justin was talking about all these situations where, you know, in these, in these various, like objective missions, you kill a fighter and then you walk onto another object, this same thing for treasure, right? It's like you give Nave the treasure because her getting minus two move, it means she's still fast at move five with the treasure. So now like all of a sudden they're all trying to kill Nave. It's like, yeah, okay, then I'll react. Sure. Well, okay, so we are going like we, we said that we are sending her against um you know not uh not chaff, right? We're sending her against like some of your heroes, some of your more elite fighters. Like you don't want to just send her like if you're sending her against chaff, you're wasting it, right? Um she's an incredible like, mid range hunter, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, exactly. Don't so play those models, but she is so good at killing them if people did play them. Yeah, um, but let's say she went up against like a Slaughterborn, right? From the uh, Dark Oath Chieftains, right? Sla- uh, Slaughterborn oh, yeah, is that yeah, his yeah. name? 
right? Um, and he's got the ability where, like, he can add, like, a crazy amount of damage to his crits. You know? So that might be, like, if they're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this ability to add all this damage to the crits. I would use the reaction there. You know what I mean? I would be like, oh, I'm not gonna take any of those crits. I don't want any of those crits, you know? So that might be, because it's only one activation that they can use that for, right? So um, yeah, we but, got there, fam. We figured out a way to dumpster Dark Oath Savagers. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I don't need to make fun. I do. Th- you are correct about that matchup. I do think she's great. Yeah. Into Dark Oath Savage. I mean, I just think I just think that there there are going to be times where like you're going to want to throw her into situations where the crits hit hard. You know what I mean? And, and they're going to hit back. And so there may be times where you need to keep her alive. Yeah, I you agree. Know? Yeah. For sure. Oh, that makes sense. Like, because you want to be reckless with her. Yes. Right? Yes. And so sometimes that can go wrong, and now she has insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I like the reaction. I would just probably ignore that last sentence and not try to play my models to try to trigger that extra one. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Three seems excessive anyway, right? Like, how many times are you rolling three crits? Like, although I saw it the other day when someone rolled three crits with a freaking Myrmidon. Like, and Nave will what? roll three crits sometimes because she yeah. she's rolling six yeah. dice, right? Yeah. You can, That's true. You can get three crits off six dice. Mirror match. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, two Neves going at each other. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to try these out. I'm glad you're trying them out in the TTS League a little bit, Dan. And, uh, you know, we'll have to report back when uh, I get them built and painted and done it. So we'll see each other in a year and I'll uh, let you yeah. know. <laughs> they work. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's talk about the main thing. We said we we're going to do a short podcast tonight, and uh, we we let's 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 just talk about our main topic a little bit, uh, which is how to get good. How that to get our good. Main topic? No, we got more. One. We got more. Let's just a little have. bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So we, what we wanted to do is is um you know after the Nova Open. I talked with a bunch of other players and they said, Oh man, I love this. I love coming to the tournament. This was so much fun. And I just, I just am not good at this game and I, I want to be better. Like, how do I, how do I get better at this? You know? And, and we would talk through various scenarios and we thought that, you know, is I'm not going to pretend to be an excellent player out there. I consider myself an experienced player, um, you know? And so I think there's other players out there that are far better than I am that probably can speak to this better than I, but they're not here in front of the microphone. So, uh, you know, we get to impart our pearls of wisdom with you on, uh, you know, if you want to take your level from a narrative, you know, base to a, you know, more competitive and, and do better at tournaments or events or, or whatever you're doing with your friends, how do you do that? So, uh, let's just come up with a couple of ideas that we can kind of throw out there. They may not feel cohesive. It might not be like a game plan for you, but maybe there's one or two gems that you can take from it and um, help yourself improve. So, uh, Dan, why don't you give us a first idea of like, how would you uh, advise to a new player? How do you, how do you get good? How do you get better? Um, I'll give the advice that unfortunately is the least useful advice you can give, but it's also the most true, which is, the best way to get better is to play a lot of games against people whose skill level you want to emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, I say it's not very useful because if you could do that easily, you would have already gotten good. You know, it's like a lot of people, a lot of the, a lot of the people who 
are, you know, who have expressed to me that they feel frustration over how good they are. Um, a lot of them, the reason they're not good isn't because like they're not smart or anything. It's just because like they don't get to play very often. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's tough. But but if you can get games in, um, do it. Uh, I think that's that's certainly the easiest way to get good. And you know, what do we even mean when we talk about good? We're too far into the podcast to talk about that. But if yeah, if getting good to you is is being able to make plays that correlate to winning games, um, playing a lot is the best way to learn to do that. And, I, and I'll just make a quick plug for the Tabletop Simulator League that you can find on the Big War Cry Discord and also our Discord channel. Um, it's one and the same, right? Um, I have seen guys on there that have not been very good in the beginning, but because they're playing quite often on Tabletop Simulator, all of a sudden they're, you find that they've actually gotten really good over two months of playing because they're playing more often, right? It's time on the ball. Uh, time on the stick and you know just just doing that so totally echo that 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 was that was one of my uh, cards that i figured one of you guys would play you know sure. for sure all right jason what's up i do think it's the yeah. least helpful because of everything i said but you guys will get <laughs> yeah. better advice yeah <laughs> all right jason what about you so in addition time on the ball was my first number one but the next one is i'll give you two know your war band and simplify your tactics if you know your warband and you get a very simple tactical approach, you can play that tactical approach and, and you can start to massage it a little bit and nudge it a little bit at a time rather than this didn't work. So I'm going to completely redesign my list and try this tactic. That didn't work completely. You're just, you're going to be scatterbrained whack a mole all over the place. You're not going to learn those little edge case, how to handle those little edge cases that come up. Mm -hmm. So know your warband, simplify your tactics. Um, so that I 100% agree. I 100% agree with that because yeah. I um I learned I learned that rule when I was playing Age of Sigmar. Um, I was attracted to Night Hunt because of the models, and I didn't realize that Night Hunt wasn't very good, you know. But the thing in was, like is every like, game they're in, right? Exactly, <laughs> poor guys. Um, so, but you know, I the thing is, is I said, okay, I'm gonna tr like just keep playing them, keep playing them, so that I know them, right? I learned their rules, I knew their stat profiles by heart. I didn't have to keep looking it up every time. I didn't need to know like what their abilities were, like all that kind of stuff. Like I learned it, I learned it, I learned it. I played, I played, I played, and what that did is it taught me how to get better at the game with that warband. And it's not just better with that warband; it was better at the game. Yeah. Right. I got better at the game because I could understand how to do this. There, I was eliminating a lot of different variables by sticking with one warband for a while and playing with that. Right. And my goal was to play that warband for um, at least a year and like played it. And in fact, I played it for about two years and played the crap out of it, you know, and every now and then I would add units and try a different combo, but it was like test and trial and error with minimal variables and that you could understand like what you were, what you were getting good at. Right. So yep. um, yeah, totally echo that. Um, and I Jason, think, you said something yeah. that um, I think was a better way to phrase something that I do a lot. And I've mentioned a few times, which is like the simplify your tactics thing. Mm -hmm. When I'm saying like, don't even read Nave's quad or, you know, something like that. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's because I do, I've never thought about it that way, but I do try to do that. I try to reduce my mental load and, and absolutely, if you can just, 
if you can say, I just want to do this one thing with this warband the first few times I play it um, and then see if that works and see what, what kind of, like, I think that's a much easier way to kind of avoid analysis paralysis for yourself and, and really dig in and like actually play while you're playing as yeah. opposed to um, yeah. getting confused. And I think that that goes back into how you build your warband. We had a podcast way back when about like uh, how we list build. Right. Yeah. And like um, we had talked about one of the ways to do that is looking at your abilities and which ones you want to use of those and then get those models mm -hmm. and try to make a warband out of that, you know, so that you know what abilities you want to do, simplify your tactics and then, and then go from there. For sure. I love having most of my models not have abilities. I just I think that's such a good place to be as far as what you can think about when you're yeah. in a situation like that. Yeah. Um, I've got two of them that I want to talk about. I'll start with one. Um, and it is find out what play style resonates with you. And this kind of fits with what Dan said of like getting more time on the ball, it's right? Like you time on the ball, man. It, it is. It really is. Right. But like at the same time, like, you know, I, I found that I kind of like being a bit of a cagey player. Like I like the movement. I like throwing things around. I like, you know, moving. And that's, that's kind of a, probably because like I said, I started playing night hunt. So when I kind of transitioned and tried to some 40k, I naturally was drawn to Raven Guard that has like similar tactics, right? Um, and then when I started playing um, Warcry, I liked the I liked the armies that had lots of movement, and so like I just felt a nice kindred spirit with the Bone Splitters, right? I, granted that they're not top tier. I think that they're A minus B plus tier. Um, that's probably generous for Dan, but you know, um, yeah. I think I think that they're you know I think that they've got something to them because they got a lot of movement options, um, but that's like the play style that I like to play, you know. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you know, a plotting stormcast army isn't necessarily the one that I really love playing, uh, but some people love it. Some people love never dying, and when they hit, they just smash things, you know. Mm -hmm. So find out what works for you, and then lean into it. Like really lean into it and figure out like how you can make that work in on, on your you know for your advantage. So um, yeah, one if I can double up on tips. Yep, absolutely. Um, I would say the other half of time on the ball is so I had when I was rooting around down there I was looking for a pen because I wanted to draw you a little um, an economics factor price graph. Um, but essentially, like a labor and capital graph. Um, uh -huh. Basically, don't be afraid of math. Um, be willing to do some math before you play. Um, yeah. Because essentially, the, actually playing is like labor in your <laughs> labor and capital, you know, factor price thing. We're like, it is the most important piece of the puzzle but there are diminishing returns you get to where like if you play 40 games but you're just like randomly choosing mob you know if you're not like giving yourself real theory crafting um you will kind of lose out like you will each additional game will stop improving you as much as the previous one did 
And the same is true with sort of theory crafting. And I don't necessarily mean like sitting there while you paint and like fantasizing about, you know, how you're going to use this in game and how sick it's going to be when you pull off this ability. I mean, that's cool and fun too, but like doing the real work of figuring out, okay, like what models do people around here play a lot? Um, what is my likelihood of actually taking down that model or like surviving a move attack from that model? Um, you know, thinking about like, do I want to bring fighters that have a strong chance of surviving against the, this model or, you know, et cetera, like actually sit down and do the math about how, you know, you can't math every single situation in every game, but math out situations that you think are going to come up and that will often change how you think you'll want to approach them in the game. Okay. And that is something that it might take you 10 games to discover when you could figure it out in 20 minutes with a pen and paper. Um, and so I think that if you can't get time on the ball, I think knowing knowing the math of your warband before you hit the table is a great way to make it so that you can learn as much in three games as the other guys learning in 10. And so I think that's a great, great thing to try to do. That's great advice. I think that's awesome. You know, just be able to, and, and, and I will just add a little caveat. Sometimes the math on the paper doesn't work at like, doesn't fit in the game. Sometimes things overperform what you think would happen. And, you know, like it just, it's weird. So you do, you kind of need to do both. You know what I mean? Like, I think you do need to think about it and, and go through it and be like, okay, this is my expected result. And then like, see what you get after several games. Do you know what I mean? And like, what does it average out to? My counter to that would be the math on the paper is always what comes out in the game, but sometimes you didn't put, you didn't think to math out the thing that happens sure. in the, you know, like, yeah. like, uh, cause I don't think results based like planning is a good idea. Like if you're like, man, I had this model and they crit 22 times over the course right. of this game. It was incredible. Right. It's like, I'm so happy for you, but that's never going to happen again. You know, yeah. um, people who will remain nameless, I often will like message me about like, you were wrong about such and such model because this happened. And like the, this is always like a one percenter. And it's like, and you can name me. Okay. You can say my name. <laughs> I know it's not me, but that's funny. <laughs> it's not you, but, um, and it's like, you know, don't focus on like those wild results things focus on like what, like actual percent likelihoods but but to your point like when you play you might find out that the thing that you wrote down that situation never actually comes up and that can yeah. be that is where yep. you do need to and it's like oh wow i mathed out all the wrong things so I, now i need to come back and i need to math out completely different things um, and and there might be yeah and there might be some like um sort of math intangibles that you kind of discover which is like yeah yeah Dang, this mo this model can actually move way more than I thought. You know what I mean? Like it covers way more of the board. And like, sure, you have it on paper like 14 inches, but you know, like with knee, for example. Um, but then all of a sudden you're like, man, that is a really long range. Like you, you just almost need that practical experience to back it up, is what I'm saying. You know, and you'll kind of discover like how you how you um uh how you feel about it. How you feel, you know, get the feels. So, yeah. 
Uh, Jason, do you have any other tips you want to share? Um, no, I, I think that we hit hit them pretty good. Um, okay. Just you know, keep it keep it simple and get time on the ball. The the last one I, I want to add one last one, and I think that with any war game, whether it be skirmish or um, you know big big one like Age of Sigmar, um, Matt learn to master the movements. Learn to master the movements because the movement is actually the most important stats in the game, in my opinion. Um, like if you've got clean movement, you'll probably win more games than you'll lose. Uh, like if you can get your models to where they need to be, then you're going to win more games than you'll lose. Um, and that's true in Age of Sigmar. Uh, like if you look at like the top tables and of like the world championship, like they just had nice, crisp, clean movements. They knew exactly where they were going to go. They kind of under the movement stat, like how how far that looks on the board. And yeah, you can pre-measure and everything like that, but you've got like a very good idea of like where how how can you move them, where do you need to move them, like you know terrain, all that kind of stuff. Like keep keep all of that stuff in mind. Um, you know, like I, I think I remember saying at Adepticon, uh, a guy tried to move a a mega boss between two walls, but his base didn't fit. He said, well, I'll just move through here. And I'm like, mm, you can't. You know what I mean? Because you can't move between two walls. You can move through a doorway and you can move through an archway. But these two walls are counted as obstacles. And because your base doesn't fit, you can't fit through there. You know, like learning to master. Like if I'm going to play with a mega boss, I need to learn to master that mega boss's movement and, um, and do that. So I think that um, if you can do, if you can get your models to where they need to be, you will, again, I think win more games than not. Um, because that's, that's, that's important. One piece of that, that's a really mean piece of advice, but it is, it is true. Is like practice the dexterity of movement. Moving mm -hmm. in Warcry can often actually be physically difficult, uh, to not just ruin the game <laughs> by just knocking half the shit over. Don't wear hoodies <laughs> when you're playing with the trees, you know? Yeah. And so like, actually like just practicing how to quickly and efficiently physically move models. It sounds so dumb, but if you don't get to play a lot, so you don't get a lot of natural practice out, out of it, um, you know, consider like set up your board see, to see, you know, do you like the terrain that you bought, et cetera, but then like practice, you know, what some movements look like and just in crowded areas um, because man, I have knocked over a lot of models. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, these are just our pieces of advice for all of you. If you've got some that you would like to share with us, drop it in the Discord. Let us know when you watch the video what advice you would give to newer players if you or, or to yourself if you had to do it all over again. What would you tell yourself that you should focus on? Um, because I think that there's a lot of people coming into the community, and I think there's going to be a lot of people coming into the community after Christmas because uh, hopefully a whole bunch of people get a new warband and they're going to want to test it out. So let them know how you would get good faster. So thank you so much to everybody listening to the show. We really appreciate you. We appreciate our audience. We appreciate being a part of this community. Uh, we have all nothing but happy Christmas wishes and no, no, no call for all of you. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of it. We hope you have a great evening and uh, we will see you all at the tables. See ya.